0: All right, I want you to take your Bibles tonight, and I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. Right before you stand, I'm going to read a passage to you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse number 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Would you stand with me as we're going to read together Joshua chapter 7. Look at verse number 24. The Bible says in Joshua... And all of Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zare, and the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and his sons, and daughters, and his oxen, and his asses, and his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones, and burned them with fire, after that they had stoned them with stones. They raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger, wherefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. That's a story of a man by the name of Achan and his family. We're going to look at it a little more carefully this evening, and let's pray. Father, I don't want this to be just another church service. I really think this world has had its belly full of empty religion. We want something real. We want something lasting. May I ask that you reach down from heaven and show yourself. God, make this service unique, eternal, and lasting in our hearts. Help us to go home tonight able to say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Father, work in someone's life in a unique way. Hide me behind the cross. May I do my part right. Lord, help me not to hinder the sermon. Use me, speak through me, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have a seat. This story is about a man named Achan. He was a soldier under the command of Joshua. Joshua. He went and they went to a battle called the Battle of Jericho. God had told them when they conquered or won the Battle of Jericho, he had told them, when you conquer that city, don't take any spoils from the city. And that's because the city was considered a, a, a cursed city. One man, one of, one of Joshua's soldiers by the name of Achan, disobeyed God's command about taking spoil. Achan stole a garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold. And he took those and he hid them in his tent. They would have lived in tents at that time. Later, that same army needed to go to battle at another place. It was a place called Ai. They had just won a mighty, mighty battle at Jericho. This battle of Ai was a little thing, just a little skirmish. So they go to battle against little city of AI, and they were defeated. And the story is told, and the application is made that they were defeated because God had withdrew his hand, a blessing on the army, because Achan had taken those things from that city. God had withdrawn his hand a blessing. There were some good men that died in the city of Ai, and they lost that battle. They had won the big battle. Achan disobeyed God. Then they lost the little battle because God again had withdrawn his hand of blessing. It's an odd story, but it's in the Bible. The Bible tells us then that because of Achan's sin, Achan's entire family ended up being put to death. They were stoned to death. His family died. You say, why? Because of what was hidden in their tent. What was hidden in their tent. You see, the tent, that was, that was home. That was their dwelling. Uh, be careful. The part about you that's most important is not the public you. It's the private it's you. It's the private you. I want you to picture it. Achan and his family, they all were put to death. The wife, Achan the husband. The Bible says that they had sons, plural. They had daughters, plural. That means minimum of two. So even at the minimum, there was a funeral service for dad, for mom, Two sons and two daughters. But so you know, in this day and age, back then, it would have been common to have 12 to 20 kids. That's not for me. (laughs) Our theme was four and no more. And it's worth saying over and over again, after having four kids all in their teenage years at one time, I understand why some species eat their young. But back to the Bible. At least two sons... At least two daughters, the mom, the dad, picture the funeral. If there were caskets, there were six. If there were pallbearers, there were 36. What a funeral. Six grave markers side by side. Why? Because of what was going on in the privacy of the tent. Of the tent. Stay with me. I'm simply going to... Tell the story from an angle that I want us to uh, just consider. First of all, may I say, in public, Achan was a good Israelite. He was a good guy, at least from the public's perspective. As good as any other Israelite in the camp, publicly, he was considered a holy Levite. He probably didn't work on the Jewish Sabbath, he probably didn't eat pork. He probably tithed on his livestock and gave offerings. He observed the holy days, and he probably dressed like a Levite was supposed to dress, and he spoke Levite-type language. Matter of fact, when Joshua, the captain, knew that the hand of God had been retracted, uh, he did not suspect Achan as the guilty party. If you read verse 16, 17, 18, and 19, you would find out Joshua went and checked all the other tents before he even came around to Achan. I think he, I think Joshua was thinking, you know, I got a few guys I just know did not cause this problem of the retraction of God's power on us. And so eventually Joshua went and checked Achan's tent for what? Well, he had taken the garments and the silver and things that God had told him not to take. And the issue is not what he took. It's that he took it. He was doing what God said not to do. Joshua, who was God's man, he could not detect an open spirit of rebellion with Achan or even his family. So publicly, Achan looked pretty good. May I say to all of us, again, it's not important what you look like publicly, although... I think we should behave ourselves publicly. You better make sure what you do privately is kept right with God as well. We live in a generation where people think you come to church, you live one way, and then you go home and live another. You go to work and live another. There are people, the minute they leave the, 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 the church parking lot, uh, that the, the, they, don't, they don't act like Christian, and that's not the right way of doing things. This nation needs some real churches and some real Christianity. This, this nation needs some old-fashioned churches like ours that are not dead, that still have life, that still believe the old-time way, and they're not apologetic for it, but they've got a right attitude about it. In public, Achan was a good Israelite. Secondly, in private, it's obvious, Achan was in trouble. He was in trouble. He looked good on the outside, but on the inside, his tent... There was disobedience and rebellion. You may smile on the outside, but you might want to pay some real close attention to what's going on on the inside of you. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And what's inside you eventually is going to come out. Did you know you can fool your neighbor, but you probably won't fool your wife? You can fool your husband, but you probably won't. You you, you probably won't. uh, Well, you could fool your neighbor, but you won't your husband. We can fool the church people, but our kids see us for what we really are. You can fool the preacher, but your family, they kind of know what you are. They know how you behave. You can fool you can fool everybody. You can fool your husband, your wife. You can fool mom. You can fool dad, but you will not fool God. Amen. Folks, God knows the truth about us. We try to make everybody believe that our spiritual life is just fine. But I wonder what is hidden in your tent. What's hidden in the tent of your heart? What's hidden in the tent of your mind? You men, how disappointed would your wives be if they really knew what went on inside of you in the privacy of your mind? You young people what would your youth director think if he really knew the real you what's down inside you hidden those things that you nurture that shouldn't even be thought about or pondered well Aiken in public he was doing pretty good but it's very obvious from the story Aiken in private was not doing as well as his public personality thirdly The death of his family came because of what was hidden in the tent. Hey, it might be a good idea for all of us to take a little look at the true condition of our family, of our own personal hearts, because this family died as a result of what was hidden in the tent. It wasn't his public demonstration of his Christianity, it was what was going on behind closed doors. What's hidden in your tent? Are you actually bitter? Are you actually... Do you have a lot of hatred going on inside your heart? Hey, and I don't care what anybody says, I still happen to believe that love is a primary quality of Christianity, and though the world turns it into lust and something that it's not, it's still right to love your neighbor. It's still right to love your enemy. It's still right for Christians to love. But what's hidden in your tent? Is it a bitterness? Is it a hatred? Is it a cursing? And might I say, I think that... There's nobody in here that would curse at church, and I don't think you ought to be cursing at home either. Is it their fighting and hitting that goes on that shouldn't? Is there discontentment? Is there vile sin that goes on in the privacy of our homes? I just know this. In public, Achan looked good. In private, Achan was in trouble. And the death of his family came as a result, not of his, private, his, his public demonstration of his Christianity, but it was his private behavior that cost him. Hey, what causes the death of families? What causes the death of marriages? What things hinder us? What hinders our success. What hinders our Christianity? Well, I'm going to name a few of those things tonight. I want you to listen very carefully. Most everything that I'm about to mention is not something we demonstrate publicly. We all fear the public too much, and we don't fear God in private enough. For instance, uh, liquor and drugs in the tent. Let me warn you, you, the misuse of drugs and liquor, it'll steal your money. It'll steal your morals. It'll steal your integrity. It will steal your health. One thing it steals is your self-control. Could I tell you something? You might want to bury, you might want to bury those drugs and bury that liquor before it buries you. But you know, that's not anything we have a problem with here on the church property. Where's that happen at? At home. At home. Hey, could I warn you? It is it is a plague today and it is the pornography that's available in our society in the tent in private. And parents, I just want to tell you, some of your kids are far more capable than you in regard to their electronic devices, and they know how to hide it. If I were you, I'd be, I'd watch out. Watch out! I'm sure the pornography is still in picture books, and it's in videos, and it's all over the internet. Whether it's in a storybook, but I, and I will tell you this: if you're married. Uh, that that sort of thing, it will not enhance your marriage like you think. It'll just lower your wife's self-esteem, and it will yours as well, sooner or later. It'll ruin your mind. It'll ruin your opinion of your mate. Uh, it's not re- realistic, but on the Internet today, the pornography is everywhere. And I feel bad for this generation. To be quite honest, they used to call them... Uh, Adult bookstores. And if somebody wanted pornography, nasty pictures, they would have to drive to the adult bookstore, get out of their car, take the chance of being seen, and go in and get it. Today, all they do is push a button. And it's at their fingertips. Isn't it tragic? Oh, I think we can push a button and have some wonderful things at our fingertips. But I'm telling you, the pornography, I've got to warn you, you better bury that pornography before it buries you. And here's the thing. I look across this sea of faces and I'd have no way of knowing or think that anybody would be looking at that sort of thing. You say, well, well, you see, that's because it's hidden in your tent. May I say that you might want to be careful with lust. And indeed, there is a difference in lust and love. Lust dirties your life. Lust dirties your thinking. Lust will dirty your relationships. Lust will dirty your home. It'll dirty your body. And I'll tell you this, and though you might not believe it, it'll dirty your self-worth. Be careful. You shouldn't be lusting after people at school. You should not be lusting after people at work. You dead sure shouldn't be lusting after people at church. But, you know, really, if you have roaming eyes, most wouldn't notice it. But it's not usually at church that men make the bad comments and the women say the nasty things about somebody else's mate. Oh, but where could that happen? At home or away from church, in private, where nobody gets to see it. Huh. I would recommend this. Wherever you bury that liquor and the drugs and the pornography, I'd probably throw the lust right in with it. I'd bury it. You say, why? Before it buries you. You see, Achan looked very good to the public. Achan even looked good to the spiritual leaders in his life. But there was a problem. You say, where at? In private. In private. May I recommend to all of us that we understand that immorality is still Sin bad sin. I do not care what Hollyweird advertises to us. I don't care what they call the new morality. There is an immorality and it's not new. It's as old as man's sin and it's still wrong. God still intends for us to be moral, decent, pure, clean people. But watch out for that immorality. She. Most people, especially people that are churchgoers, they're not immoral in public. We know better than that. You hide it, right? But I'll promise you, immorality will break a heart, break many hearts. You say, what what kind of immorality are you talking about, pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm talking about fornication. And to, to, to briefly describe that, that's when two people are intimate who are not married. So, young people, your pastor still believes if you're not married, you ought to keep your hands off of each other. You still ought to have the goal of being virgin. And again, it doesn't matter to me what Hellyweird tells you. It's still a good thing to be virgin when you go to the wedding altar. You say, but I'd be the only one. Then you be the only one. You say, but pastor, I've already made a mistake. I I no longer have my purity. Then decide to be pure from here on out, but don't live like a couple alley cats sleeping around like a bunch of animals. And I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm your friend, but I've got to tell you the truth. There was something up with Aiken. You couldn't tell publicly it was going on privately. It was going on behind the scenes and then morality is still wrong. It'll break your heart. Don't break your vows. It'll break down your emotions. If you're immoral. It'll break down your commitments in life. It'll break up your family. And I just recommend that you bury that immorality before it buries you. Before it buries you. May not seem like it goes on the list, but I want it in here. I want to warn you about laziness. Laziness. Is there laziness in your tent and the privacy of your heart in your life? Laziness where you won't do what it takes to pay the bills or clean the house or help the kids or go to work. Can I tell you something? Relationships often are destroyed because of laziness. You say because the house isn't clean or somebody's not working hard. Well, yes, but let me tell you this. There are people that will not work at their relationships. There are husbands that won't work at being good husbands and wives that won't work. At being good wives but there are parents that will not work at being good parents so you all know and it's it, you, I, I think you know this but I, let, let me clarify did you know it is not a school's job to raise your child and I don't care what the government says our children do not belong to the United States government they belong to a mom and dad and they were given to mom and dad by God hey it's not the church's job to raise your kids it's your job to raise your kids. Now, let me recommend that you get your kids in a good, wholesome church and you get your kids in a good, wholesome school. But I've got to tell you something. We've got to work. And I'm going to tell you, it's not easy to be a good mom and it's not easy to be a good dad. It is a challenge. The bad part is once you get there and figure out how hard it is, you're already in, baby. And you've got to last now for 18 or 19 years. You wonder why parents are so excited graduation night and give their kids big gifts? Because they know they're leaving soon. It's hard. But let me tell you, you have to work at it. You have to work at it. I think there's an element of laziness today in relationships. The reason why parents, they, 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 they won't put any effort into raising their kids. And the reason why marriages, they, they disintegrate so quickly is because we've got a laziness in our society and we're afraid to work at it. You, hey, let, let me tell you something. Somebody has been married 50, 60, or 70 years, I will guarantee you they worked at that. They worked at it. They worked to survive, and it was hard sometimes. And they formed some, some calluses, relationship calluses. And they got up early and stayed up late and went through a lot, but they made it. Why? They worked at it, and there is a laziness in our society, and if it's hard, we don't want to work at it. Let's let the school raise our kids. Let's let a church raise our kids. But we would have to work at it. And I'll just let my marriage disintegrate because I would have to work at it. look, You say, but it's hard. Well, we wouldn't want you to do anything hard, would we? I'm a little fearful in this generation if we went to war with all the mamby-pamby adults that we have, would they have the backbone and the grit to win a war? Because you can't win it with a joystick in your hand, pushing a button. War's not a video game. It's real. People die. It's hard. But there's a laziness. Hey, is is there a laziness in your tent? I want to recommend that you bury the laziness before it buries you. Be careful, family. There's something that will destroy a family, bring death to a family. It's a thing called unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. That unforgiveness, is it in your tent? Do you constantly bring up everyone's past sins? Can I tell you something? I'm really glad Jesus doesn't do that to us. He forgives us and he wants us to go on. But look, you call it holding a grudge, you can call it whatever you want, but it, 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 there's some unforgiveness. And if that goes on, if that continues in a marriage, if it continues in a family, that family will self-destruct. It'll be miserable. We want to bring up past sins, and we want to bring up past hurts. We want to bring up the past over and over and over again. And we want to, what we used to call it, beating a dead horse. But be careful, that lack of forgiveness Bring up unchangeable things. Did you know that once someone in your family has done wrong and if it hurt you and you were disappointed, did you know they can't take it back? They could apologize and I think they should, but at some point there has to be some forgiveness so we can go on and live our life. You know, unforgiveness will keep you from trusting, give you a hopeless relationship and a hopeless home. Hey, let me tell all of you, if, if you're an adult in here, you look back on your childhood and you say, boy, I got hurt in my childhood, mom or dad, or this happened or that happened. And for some reason you can't forgive, I'll promise you. If you have an unforgiveness, and in a minute I'm going to talk about bitterness, that lack of forgiveness today, that now that you're an adult, and you still can't forgive what happened to you as a child, I'll guarantee you that's affecting your family some way. That will affect you. But not only that, unforgiveness, what about unforgiveness so many times then leads to bitterness? Bitterness that separates partners and separates families and separates marriages and friends. Bitterness, what What? what does it produce? Bitterness pr- produces hatefulness and, and, and a meanness. You know that bitterness—it's it, got a—it's got a—it's got a way of separating. Of course, when you're bitter, you're pushing someone away. You're 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 mad. You're if you, you want to call it holding the grudge. It's a part of unforgiveness. It'll separate you from God. It'll separate you from His power. You know, I know people that are they're they're, they're uh, they won't forgive and they're bitter and they're bitter about something from years and years ago. It even pushes them away from a pastor. It's sad. I bury. I bury that. I bury that bitterness before it buries you. Hey, what's it like at home? What's it like? What are you like away from church? What are you like away from Christian people? Are you rude, harsh, hateful? That'll destroy you. Those aren't things Christians are supposed to have in their life. Rudeness will hurt your family, it'll hurt your friends, it'll hurt your wife, it'll hurt your husband, it'll hurt your children. If you're rude, it'll hurt your parents. It'll hurt your brother. It'll hurt your sister. I gotta, I, I, I'm got. i really glad that on Wednesday nights right now, we're discussing emotions. This week will be our third lesson on the subject of God's perspective of man's emotions. Our emotions can be devastating at home. Just ridiculous uh Emotions just bouncing off the wall. I got to tell you something, folks. There needs to be a stability. We need an emotional stability. Be careful that rudeness. I'd bury it. Learn kindness. And you know, parents, there is a way to be firm without being a jerk. There's a way. The Bible says, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. You say, what's that mean? There's a way to discipline a child without stirring up wrathful feelings. There's a right and a wrong way to do it. But I bury that rudeness. Hey, could I could I recommend to all of us that we're careful with our patience? It's a funny thing. We come into public, especially at the church, and we can all be so patient. You'll wait at the door. You take your time. You're so kind and patient. And your kids and your spouse are looking at you saying, Who are you? (laughs) Just a little bit ago, we were at home and you were on the horn going, We're going to be late. I'm leaving. Did you get the text? I'll come back and get you later. You're walking. (laughs) And then you walk into church and it's, Hi, brethren. Been looking forward to fellowshipping with thee today. (laughs) Ah, that lack of patience. Most of the time, you and I do not demonstrate our lack of patience at the church in public. Where does it come out? At home. At home. That will weigh down your marriage. That lack of patience will weigh down your job. It It will weigh you down, Dad. It will weigh you down, Mom. It will weigh you down as a Christian. Leaders. If you're going to lead, in especially spiritually, you are going to have to get you a truckload of patience. A truckload. If you can't get some patience as a pastor, you will end up in jail for murdering somebody someday. People will push you to within inches of insanity. You better get patience. Same thing for being a parent. You all, you all know what I mean. Patience. I'd bury that lack of patience before it buries you. You see, Achan, publicly, looking good. Privately, something was up. He lost his family. Why? Not because of the public Achan, but the private. Was it, was, what was included there? Well, he had disobeyed God. But I'll promise you things like the misuse of the liquor and the drugs and the pornography and the lust and the immorality, the laziness, the lack of forgiveness, the bitterness, rudeness, a lack of patience, those things are what people like us struggle with at home or out of the public eye. Well, I don't want to leave this out, and this will be my last point and will be done, although this point could take me 20 or 30 minutes, I'm not sure. <laughs> But how about just rebellion against God? Just rebellion. You know, sometimes there are people that are living in, in what I... I think all sin's bad and I think all sin's deep. But sometimes there are people that are living in very deep, vile, nasty sin. And they'll come to church and put on a happy face. and But that they're not real. And again, you can fool your pastor and i can be sometimes easy to fool because i want to believe the best of you i do i want to believe the best of you but i got to remind you you will not fool god god already knows my mom my mom used to freak me out my mom was man a woman psychologist My mother told me, she said, Jeff, God sees everything you do, and there is always a human being that sees you. He set it up that way. Now, I don't think that's necessarily true, but that's what my mom told me. (laughs) I could get home after having done something I wasn't supposed to do. My mom would look at me and say, where have you been? I'm freaking out. I'm thinking they already called. (laughs) I'm in there apologizing. I'm saying, oh, Mom, I'm so sorry. And she had no clue. But let me tell you something. This is not psychology. God already knows. And by the way, he's your parents. He's your heavenly father. And he does see it all. I just want to warn you. If you're living in terrible sin and nobody knows, if I were you, I'd get on track real quick. I'd bear that rebellion. I'd get rid of it out of your life. And this story somebody was doing real well publicly but privately what took place privately was bad enough that the entire family died you say are you trying to threaten me or scare me no I'm just teaching the Bible oh you gotta just read it I didn't write the book I just teach it and preach it it's in your Bible too It happened. And I think it happened so God could say to us, let's be real in public. Let's be real in private. If you want a real good tool of child rearing, make sure there's not a double standard where you're one thing at church and something else at home. That confuses children very, very much.